second half of the People Show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Uh, busy half hour here. We're going to connect with our good friend Danny Kelly from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast uh, for the Fantasy Football Update, brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, Clayton Public House, your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens, two giant projectors, the Clayton Pub Dot com. All right, DK at Danny B. Kelly on socials. Uh, make sure you're giving them a follow and listening to the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. Email them any of your questions or whatever they're talking about uh, over at uh, RingerFantasyFootball at gmail.com. Uh, DK, what's going on? Oh, not much. Just hanging in there, a little bit tired. It's the doldrums of the, of the season, I think, and, and just trying to get through it. Don't laugh when I do the email prompt. You guys talk about whatever. Like it's, it's chaos. <laughs> it's always really, really random stuff. I yeah. think that's like the most fun thing to do. Uh, so, so launch any questions your way uh, over at RingerFantasyFootball at gmail.com while you're listening over on Spotify as well to the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, so uh, catching up on uh, things that are Week 9 related. Um, CJ Stroud with like the greatest week you could oh ever want from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. He's amazing, actually. It's, it's pretty crazy. Like usually – when you come into a season, and somebody actually pointed this out on our draft guide, we had little tags next to the Texans receivers as bad quarterback situation because most of the time, and this is the preseason, most of the time, you know, uh, rookie quarterbacks are just really bad for fantasy. Like, generally speaking, it's very hard for rookie quarterbacks to, um, you know, produce or or support even one good fantasy receiver. And sometimes, and, and like even like less often, it's more like zero uh, fantasy relevant players and this year you know they've got nico collins tank dell is really coming on really strongly and of course cj stroud is i think like a top five quarterback right now a top four um uh, let's see here he's third in points per game right That's, now in fantasy yeah, so you know obviously this is a pretty big surprise based on what we were expecting coming into the year i mean i i like cj stroud he was my top quarterback in the draft guide um but you know i think you always come in with like low expectations for quarterbacks uh, rookie quarterbacks and he's done you know, extraordinary stuff. Uh, the quarterback landscape right now is uh, challenging, to say the <laughs> least. Yeah. Um, whether it's how you're starting QBs right now in the league or what it means for offenses in general, we've touched about this, how many young players there are right now uh, at the QB position and, and, and the turnover, and it's yeah. leading to some depressed scoring. But, you know, how do you kind of navigate, like, the, the offensive landscape right now? <laughs> Well, I mean, big picture, it's one of the worst seasons for offense in like a really long time. You know, so if you had that impression watching games this year, then you are correct. It's it, the offense is really down. And I think there's, you know, a lot of different variables going into that. First of course is that some of the great quarterbacks of the NFL have sort of aged out and retired, you know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, the list goes on. There's been a ton of guys over the last couple of years that have essentially retired or been retired, Matt Ryan. You know, I don't know if he really wanted to retire, but he just didn't really have it anymore. Um, and so the result of that has been we've seen, we've seen a lot of really young guys coming in, and then we get injuries on top of that, like Matt Stafford went down, and we saw how that affected Cooper Cup and, and Puka Nakua and, and just overall the, the fantasy output for that team. And so, you know, we're seeing like a really tough situation league-wide for for quarterbacks and and of course that extends to the receivers and everything and that affects fantasy so um i don't know how you really navigate it to be honest like i think you just have to have lower expectations for any mm -hmm. fantasy players that are playing for uh you know teams that have rookie quarterbacks under center or young quarterbacks in general like aiden o'connell for the raiders like that to me 
where it's maybe a little bit better than Jimmy Garoppolo, you still have to go in and be like, yeah, you know, Devontae Adams is not going to be a probably a top 12 receiver the rest of the year. He's just, you just have to lower your expectations for it because they're not going to be running as many plays. They're not going to be scoring as many points. They're not going to have as many drives. The offense is just not going to be as good. And so um, it obviously hurts, you know, the bottom line in fantasy as well. It would certainly help if uh, teams, you know, use like, uh, I don't know, a player like B. John Robinson in the red zone. Uh, <laughs> it, would, it would certainly help. It's like hard. To, yeah, it's hard enough this year that we have to deal with like one of the worst years for quarterbacks in, in recent memory. But then you got coaches just sabotaging just, their own teams. It's just like ludicrous. We, we, we always harp on, on Arthur Smith. But now it's like the last three weeks, like the, the week where he had one touch. It's like, hey, whatever, you're you're hurt, injured, sick, whatever it was. Okay? Right, right. But now it's you've had. 24 touches the last two weeks, which is a pittance for a guy this good. It's just, I mean, like, look, we, we, the collective, we, the, the media harps on teams for taking running backs early in the draft, because for the most part, that position is somewhat replaceable in like, for instance, you could play Tyler Algier as your starter and you got him in the fifth round and he's pretty good. He's solid. And that's probably what the Falcons should just be doing because they refuse to use this guy that they got in the top 10 as like their lead back, their, their, you know, their bell cow, bell cow back. And so to me, it's just mystifying. It's like you guys spent a top 10 pick. That is incredible, incredible amount of opportunity cost to use that pick on a running back. And then you use him interchangeably with the guy you got in the fifth round. You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? Why did you do that? What is wrong with you? Um, and he's like, you know, trying to make all these, Arthur Smith's defending it by saying, oh, yeah, he's a great decoy. A lot of teams like are, like, focusing in on him. It's like, you don't draft a guy in the it's eighth overall pick. 5D chess right there. It's like, so, uh, somebody brought this up on our podcast. It's like, you know, you don't see Andy Reid making Travis Kelsey a decoy. What are we doing here? Um, <laughs> it's like, give the ball to the guys that are really good at football. Like, it's really not that hard. So, obviously, as you can tell, it, it, fire, it, I get fired up about it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty annoying. Uh, all right, some signs of life uh, as well in the New England backfield this week from a Ramondre Stevenson. Hasn't been uh, great for uh, Stevenson owners, but here in the last month it's been slightly better. It's still low usage. Like it's 10-9, it's 10-9 his last uh, four games, but he breaks off that big run. Yeah. Is it a sign of life? Is it something as the schedule maybe gets easier for this team? Maybe he starts bringing it back in the second half of the year? Talk about Ramondre? Yeah. Yeah, I think – I don't know. It's tough because I, number one, this is a really, really bad offense. <laughs> like one of the worst offenses in the NFL. I, I, I generally think that I'm uh, optimistic about Ramondre's second half of the season, especially because in trailing game scripts, they're going to pass him the ball. They're going to dump it off to him. Generally, it's going to be, um, you know, where he's playing in like the four minute offense where they're trying to come back and lots of dump offs, lots of opportunities in the passing game. Um, but I would say like, yeah, we're going to be somewhat reliant on those big plays from Ramondre where he's just creating on his own because I think overall this is like a bad offensive line, bad offense, bad quarterback. Um, they're not getting many, very many plays. They're not scoring very many points. And it really the lowers. The offense was very good last year, though, either. Yeah, and that was like attributed in a lot of ways to the fact that they had Matt Patricia, uh, who mm -hmm. has been a career defensive coordinator, calling their offense. And it was like, how it, in, in what world? Again, this is a coaching decision that mystifies anyone who's has objective like grip on reality like why would that be the guy that you put in charge of your offense and so i think there was a thought coming into this year that uh, you know obviously things would be a lot better but there's so many variables that go into good quarterback or sorry going into good offense and um you know their, their offensive line has really been 
uh, plagued by injuries. They've just not been able to run the ball very well. Um, and of course, Mac Jones is like seemingly regressed pretty dramatically. Uh, he's turning the ball over a lot, making really bad decisions. And so, you know, from, you, you don't you don't really know what to expect coming into the year. Of course, I thought it was going to be better, but it hasn't been because of so many of these other variables that are kind of going into it. And so, um, yeah, it's this is tough times for the Patriots right now. Uh, a Ravens backfield, and actually a player we talked about, uh, I feel like in week one or week two, Keaton Mitchell pops yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, nine for 138, scores a touchdown as well. But, again, Gus Edwards has another good day as well. But maybe if Keaton Mitchell, it was probably a popular pickup as well for people's waivers uh, yep, today. Yep. Um, what can you tell us about him, and, and how confident are you putting him into starting lineups? Um, That's very tough. I, I would not be super confident putting him into a starting lineup. It's a little bit of a leap of faith if you do it, um, particularly because I believe they play Cleveland this week, who is mm -hmm. one of the best defenses in the NFL. And so – I think you have to be, you have to be cognizant of the fact that he could have a very small role, and or even if he does have a big role, is pretty limited in terms of what they can do against this really good defense. That being said, I think he's a great stash. He's a guy to have on your bench for sure because, um, you know, long term or at least towards the end of the season, like he showed a tremendous amount of explosiveness, tremendous amount of elusiveness he, i want to say he i saw he broke like nine tackles in this game and he only had nine carries or eight he broke eight tackles on nine carries or something like that so he's he's very elusive explosive it almost you know brings to mind like devon achan or achan from earlier in the season where you know he can kind of subsist on eight nine touches because he's just so explosive he create these big plays um i think there's probably going to be an element of boomer bust to his game just because he's not getting you know like 20 carries in a game he's just not he's like 180 pounds that's just not going to be part of his game um but at the same time like the explosiveness speed and you know every time he's touched the football that i've seen him it's like wow this guy has some juice and so i think you know i want to say in the first three quarters when the game was so close it was pretty evenly split between keaton mitchell and gus edwards and and, and justice hill and then justice hill kind of finished out the game um and he ended up with the most touches but you know i think that again this is a rotation with three running backs so we don't know exactly what's going on with that plus you add in the fact that lamar jackson can run so it's really like a four-man running back rotation which really caps i think his upside um so I, I would be a little worried about starting him this week if you really need to like go ahead just because he's that explosive but i think right now it's probably better to kind of see how it plays out and see if he's still getting a lot of carries see if he's getting um, a ton of touches in this offense and then go from there uh, moving to the wide receiver position, a couple of interesting things here to touch on. But we'll start with Jamar Chase. Now, it's hazy because that Bengals um, game is still so far away, and he might just play through something. But right. if, he, if he's out, um, I think people know about T. Higgins, who, who's had a big week. Um, but if, is there a depth option you look at that someone can pop in um, that can yeah. feature a little bit? I mean, I think obviously if, if Jamar can't go, it's a big boost for Tyler Boyd. Mm -hmm. um, and then past that, there's two guys really that I look at. Trenton Irwin um, is sort of like the more well-known veteran guy that's kind of filled in in the past. I want to say earlier in the season um, when T Higgins was out, uh, he had like 10 targets in a game. And so, you know, he's a guy that potentially could, could benefit from this. And then there's another rookie, Andre Yosevas um, out of Princeton who has, he's played sort of like a bit role in their offense, but he has cut a couple of touchdowns this year. I was really impressed with him at the senior bowl. Um, He's a six-round pick, so of course you gotta kind of like keep your expectations in check. But he could see he's supposed he to be one of those more. athletic freaks, though, right? Yeah, he was. He's a, a track star at Princeton too, 
And so like he has incredible speed, incredible explosiveness. He's 212 pounds, six foot three, 212. And so um, he's got really good size, really good athleticism, explosiveness. Um, he's the type of player again, that could like, you know, have a big play here and there and, and kind of like come through for you. But I, I'd be very nervous to start him just based on, we don't know exactly how the, the rotation is going to come, come out in this game. They could use Trent Irwin too. And of course, Tyler Boyd could see the majority of like the uptick in, in targets in, in this game. Uh, in Washington, like w- w- uh, when we play fantasy, we only care about volume, right? <laughs> we, we don't care about efficiency. So Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin, I don't know if they're efficient, but they're throwing the ball a oh, great yeah. deal. So I imagine for fantasy, it's like, okay, who cares how many times Sam Howell gets sacked or how many times they're throwing the ball? <laughs> Jahan Dotson, at least they're throwing it a bunch. But yep. it was only four catches for Jahan last week. I think Terry had five. So is is this a thing? It's like it, it just boomer bust kind of thing. That yeah, it, it's tough because so yes, you're right. Like I'm looking at the the ranks right now. Dropbacks this season. Sam Howell has 419. The next closest person is uh, Patrick Mahomes with 372. So he's like 50 ahead. <laughs> More than the best quarterback in the league. <laughs> um, they are just absolutely letting him go out and cook and do his thing. And obviously, there's some some negatives come from that. Um, he has nine nine interceptions this year. And he's he's leading the league in sacks by like a country mile. He has 44 sacks already. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like you want that volume. You want a team that's willing to like go out and just like huck the ball around. Um, the problem and, and the reason it's been like hard to really get behind anyone in this, in this commander's offense, I do I do trust Terry McLaurin, and I think he's a great person to uh, to start in any given game. But the problem is they spread the ball around so much. It's like you, right. you look at some of their uh, the box scores. It's like eight different guys caught a pass. You know what I mean? It's like it, it it's just like they have such a spread out offense Jahan Dotson Curtis Samuel when he's in there gets like a lot of targets like Jamison Crowder's come in when Samuel's been out and he's been getting a lot of targets they they give their running backs looks in the passing game Antonio Gibson is essentially like a a running back slash receiver in this game they have a couple of tight ends that they like um so it, it just is one of those things where it's like the opposite of say like the Dolphins where they throw all their passes to two guys and it's great for fantasy where this is like they throw all their passes to all eight guys that get you know that get action in a certain game and so it's it's definitely um boomer bust and and, and variable but at the same time John Dotson has looked really good lately so I'd say he's a guy to kind of keep in your on your radar if he's out there on waivers definitely go pick him up um because he's a first round pick like he was a he's a very good prospect and he's just kind of started slow this season but he has really picked it up over the last few weeks uh, it's back-to-back games uh, for Devonta Smith with a touchdown. Now, it was only three for 51 yards uh, with a touchdown, though. But he, he has a good week. Yep. And the, the interesting thing here is I saw stats where Dallas Goddard is out last year. Mm-hmm. Devonta Smith's usage really peaked up. Um, yep. So something to keep an eye on here with Goddard missing time? Absolutely. I think uh, Devonta Smith is definitely like a good buy-low candidate, potentially, because um, he this is another offense – in in the past at least that has been sort of a funnel to two or three guys and so this year it's been aj brown is like the the clear-cut number one and then you've got dallas goddard and Devontae smith kind of like getting the rest of the targets in the passing game um in the past last year especially when goddard was out it was basically Devontae smith and aj brown were like 1a 1b in terms of like their target rates or their target numbers their volumes um and that was obviously huge in fantasy i want to say over the second half of the year Devontae Smith like basically scored the same amount of points as AJ Brown. And so I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen this year. AJ Brown seems to have made a pretty significant jump um, in like what he does this season, but it is something to 
watch. And I think that Devontae Smith is going to be a type of guy that could have a really big second half of the year. I think he's really talented. He's de- he definitely has the skill and the talent to do it. And now it's a situation where Dallas Goddard's out of the picture for at least a month, probably more, and because he has a broken arm. And so, um, you know, this could be really, really strong for uh, Devontae Smith going forward. Uh, while we're talking about buy low candidates, maybe it's uh, a week too late because you want to do it before Kyler Murray comes back. But if you were mm-hmm. looking at wide receiver uh, from Arizona, now that the star QB is back, you know Marquise Brown's had a decent year, not like last year, but I think he's in around wide receiver 20. But are you looking at Rondale Moore? Are you looking at Michael Wilson if people wanted to buy low? Uh, yeah, I think both of those guys. I would say Marquise Brown is the priority. Um Michael Wilson, he's a rookie. I think that we don't really know exactly if he's going to have a lot of chemistry with, with Kyler Murray. I just think overall this offense is going to be so much better with Kyler Murray, though. Like, it obviously mm-hmm. matters. Like, look at what we've seen from the quarterback position this year. I mean, they. I want to say the Cardinals had, like, 40 pass attempts for 58 passing yards uh, last Sunday, which is, more, like, one of the worst imaginable, like, outcomes. Like, I can't even imagine a, a worse, uh, like... I, I was very happy output. to bet the Browns last week. <laughs> it's like, jeez. Um but yeah, I mean, going back to last year, before, so I think it was five games. I'm just doing it off the top of my head, so I don't remember exactly, but it was like five or six games. Marquise Brown was a top five receiver uh, with Kyler Murray throwing passes, and then Marquise Brown got hurt, and then Kyler Murray got hurt right before Marquise Brown came back. And then Marquise Brown definitely like faded as the year went on. But the point being, you know, this is, uh, Kyler Murray was Marquise Brown's quarterback in college. Like, they have a lot of chemistry. Obviously, Kyler Murray is willing to push the ball downfield. He trusts him, trusts Marquise Brown. And so, you know, at least in that small sample from last year, Marquise Brown has really, really high potential uh, during the rest of the season with with Kyler Murray under center. And so, and I think also, by the way, like Kyler Murray is probably less likely to be running around a ton based on the fact he's coming off of this knee injury. And so, um, yeah, I think it could be potentially wheels up for Marquise Brown the rest of the season. I'm really excited to see what happens there. The other guy I would add to this conversation, if you're in need of a tight end, Trey McBride for the Cardinals has been coming on really, really strongly over the last couple of weeks. Well, certainly not last week with, with what the Cardinals did on offense, but um, he has a, he's another guy that could have really elite potential, you know, top 10, top five potential at tight end position going forward just based on the fact that I think he'll be the number two option in this passing game. Uh, don't they have another wide receiver that you love? Rondell Moore? No. Um... Oh, uh, Greg Dortch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Greg Dortch, man. Last year when he was playing for Rondell Moore, because Rondell Moore was hurt yeah, um, for big chunks of last season, and, and Greg Dortch came in and was like producing like a top 20 receiver in the time in, in the games that he was playing. This year he's he's caught, I think, like one pass. So I would not get too excited okay. about this guy um, just because the, the Cardinals have not been playing him. Essentially, Rondell Moore has been on the field. They have they like Michael Wilson on the outside, so Greg Dortch, he's like five foot six. He's not really going to be playing on the outside. Um it's more of like a bit, but at the same time, like last year, he was he was definitely really good when he got opportunities. I don't, I don't see that happening this year, though. Uh, the tight ends have actually been rather productive uh, last week. Um, Johnu Smith, Dalton Schultz. Uh, the one I want to focus on is our favorite guy, the Rotary Park. Uh, Taysom <laughs> Hill. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I guess people are supposed to buy into this now. It's, it's like a month straight of production here. I mean, yeah. So going back I, three weeks at least, he is the tight end one in fantasy football. Like he scored more points than Travis Kelsey. And he Sean more Payton's points. not even there. I know it's crazy. He's having his best year at like 33 years old when Sean Payton's gone. Who saw that coming? You know, especially in a team where they have like three tight ends. They they like Juwan Johnson. They signed Foster Moreau, 
And then of course, then you got Taysom Hill kind of like wandering around on the field. He doesn't really have a position. He doesn't really have like a specific role for half the season. And then I, but I do think over the last month, uh, the saints have really kind of landed on this guy could be a massive weapon for us in the red zone. And that's really what he's done. He's not even a tight end. He's a running back slash quarterback slash receiver slash tight end. Like he does it basically all last week. He had a passing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Like a, a couple weeks before he had like a running back, uh, a, a ground touchdown. He's, he's just does everything for them in the red zone. He's almost unstoppable. In fact, I think I saw Michael Thomas or Chris Olave said, He's kind of like the tush push. He's just inevitable. Like, you know, it's coming, right. but you That's can't great. stop it. And so, yeah, I mean, I think he has secured based on the the way that it's worked in the last month. Like he's secured that role. He has an incredibly, incredibly valuable fantasy role. Um, and the fact that you can put him into your tight end spot is, is awesome because there's just, you know, so few elite tight ends in the NFL right now. And so, you know, he's a guy that I'm absolutely starting wherever I have him. I'd be, I'm even willing to put him in my flex spot just because he has such an opportunity to score touchdowns. Wow. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, that makes sense with how much usage yeah. he's getting. Uh, but it also feels like a couple of other guys emerging as well, the rookies, uh, mm-hmm. Kincaid and Musgrave specifically. Uh, yeah. They had a couple of big weeks as well. Kincaid, to me, is the really exciting one. I mean, he's, like, running way more routes. Dawson Knox, throughout the rest of the, the previous part of the season, um, Dawson Knox and, and Kincaid were essentially like splitting reps. And so it definitely like, you know, lowers the ceiling for any fantasy player. If you're splitting reps, splitting snaps with a guy um, and uh, with Dawson Knox on IR, uh, Kincaid has really emerged as like the de facto number two in this offense. Like there's Stefan Diggs and then Kincaid. And that's awesome. And he's really, I think, sort of, sort of found his groove in the offense too. Like he's really started to, look more like the guy we saw in college, like run after the catch, shake guys in the open field as a route runner, um, you know, leap over guys, et cetera, et cetera. He did have one fumble in this last game, but overall he's looked really, really good the last few weeks. I'm super excited about what he can do, you know, the rest of the way. And of course this is a really good offense with a really good quarterback. So there's a lot of touchdown potential too. So Kincaid is a guy that I love and I really am starting him everywhere I have him. Um, and the role is assuming the role stays the same, you know, for a while here, like it's one of the more, um, valuable roles we see in the NFL right now, tight end. And then Musgrave, I think, is going to be much more of a boomer bust type player. His, his target rate's not quite where you want it to be. Um, but at the end of the day, he's he's playing a lot. He's running a lot of routes, and he's on the field. And so, like, that's more than you can get with a lot of these tight ends who are, like, you know, either rotating with different guys or only playing, like, 50%, 60% of snaps. That's what you see with a lot of these, these tight ends. And so um, Luke Musgrave right now, he's on the field 82% of the time, and he's running a ton of routes. And so, um, you know, he has just a higher ceiling because he's out there running routes and, and getting more targets. Uh, so who are we looking at for this week of uh, just just use this guy more, please? <sighs> Ooh, that's a good question. I was trying to remember who we had last week. I feel like it hit. Um, it did. I, I made a note on Sunday. I was like, oh, look, that guy again. I, I feel like it was Jahan <laughs> Dotson, maybe. I can't remember now. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, well, that was a good one. Um, I like that one. Um, let's see here. I'm going to go with Keaton Mitchell. I mean, I just want them okay, to use, yeah, I just want yeah. them to use him a lot. I think you have to again be a little bit um lower expectations a little bit because this Browns offense or Browns defense is really good. Um but man, I just see like you see a guy like that, that explosiveness, that ability to create on his own, and I don't understand why teams wouldn't get a player like that more touches, you know what I mean? And so I really hope um I really hope we see them kind of get him more involved in this offense, maybe in the passing game a little bit too because I think he's good in that area too. 
Well, Keaton Mitchell, uh, again, he had uh, eight carries or nine carries for 138 and a catch as well. Not so, shabby, yeah. Uh, we're, we're going for more than 12 touches this week. <laughs> uh, DK, it. man, you're the best, man. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. There he is, Danny Kelly, Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast over at Spotify with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horbeck. Give him an email at uh, ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. All right, I'm out of the way. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw coming up. Uh, big show for them, Wednesdays. Overrated, underrated, and uh, a big guest on the way. Trevor Linden coming up in about a half hour here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, stay tuned. For Dan, it's at Canucks Central next. You're on the home with Canucks, Sportsnet 650.